Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and uh, as we get close to ending the season, we've got, of course, another great show for you tonight. We're going to be starting things off here in just a moment uh, with another great round of Coach's Corner, and then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest tonight, uh, Alan Martin. Uh, He's uh, an author of a great book called Thumbs Down, Golf Instruction Made Simple, and he's also the regional director of Ontel Corporate Golf Wellness and the creator of Turn uh, Golf Into Business. We're going to talk with him on the second half of the show. Uh, And as always, the first half, of course, we're going to have uh, Coach's Corner with my good friends, John Decker and Jamie Leno-Zimron. We'll do that in here in just a moment. But let me remind everybody uh, that's tuning in live to the broadcast tonight. We are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the uh, blogtalkradio.com network. And, of course, best best way to find us is go to blogtalkradio.com and type in Golf Talk Live. Uh, up in the search key, and that'll bring you to the main page. For some reason, if you can't join us live, just uh, hit that link uh, at any time when it's convenient for you and just scroll down to the on-demand section. And, of course, all of the programs, including tonight's, are auto-recorded. So if you can't join us live, not to worry. Just visit the on-demand section on that page, and you can listen to it when it's convenient for you. Some other great ways to tune into the show as well. If you go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and now TalkStreamLive.com, and again, uh, if you just type in Golf Talk Live up in the search key, and you can listen to it on any of those great social media platforms as well. So lots of great ways to tune into the show. There's are just a, a few of them. There's many, many more out there as well. You can also follow me on Facebook.com. Uh, the uh, main page for the show is Golf Talk Live blog, uh, but you can check out my personal page, uh, Ted Odorico, and uh, follow me if you want, and you'll get some updates on the show there as well. If you want to call in anytime during the live broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so by calling area code 646-716-4667, or you can reach out to me personally at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO, and CEO is in capital letters. Uh, Thank you as well to all of the recent followers. All right, before I introduce the panel, let me just uh, make a quick announcement. Of course, as uh, any of you that have been following the show here, uh, for any length of time. The last few months, we've had a great sponsor uh, join the program, golfswing.com. They've been sponsoring the Coach's Corner panel segment here on Golf Talk Live for the last uh, few months. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them, and then I'm just going to make another quick announcement, and I'll bring the panel out here, and we'll get to, on to tonight's discussion. Uh, golf, uh, golfswing.com, with its cutting-edge technology, have teamed up alongside some of the best golf instructors, coaches, and swing gurus in the business. Together, they have created one of the best video teaching and training online platforms in golf. If you're ready to break 100, 90, 80, or even 70, then you want to join their online video academy and learn from some of the best. In addition to sponsoring the Coach's Corner segment, every week I'll post a different uh, golf instructional video tip, 
Uh, and this week, of course, is no exception. I'll feature another great video from another top instructor uh, from golfswing.com tonight after the show is broadcast on all of my social media platforms. So you want to make sure you check out for that. Uh, also, uh, I will uh, be featuring them for the next few weeks. And then we'll, after we take the break uh, for a little bit, I will then uh, start featuring them again in the new year. And I'll give you the dates and all that uh, in a little bit uh, after the show. But um, So join golfswing.com today and watch, practice, and improve your game. Uh, great company. Check out golfswing.com after the show and uh, sign up today. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about a, a great uh, short game uh, series, if you will, uh, that uh, my one of my guests on the Coach's Corner panel is going to tell you a little bit about uh, as we go later on in the broadcast. But uh, let me bring them out here. And, of course, I'm talking about John Decker. Uh, he's a teaching professional at the New Albany Country Club and one of the instructors uh, with golfswing.com. And in uh, 2015, he was named the Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, prior to that, he was the instructor at uh, Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Orlando, where he worked under top 100 uh, instructors, Fred Griffin, and of course, the late Phil Rogers. Uh, he's also authored a great book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which of course has an accompanying uh, Bible study uh, with that. Uh, he's also a motivational speaker as well. Uh, rounding up the panel, of course, is Jamie Leno Zimron. She's a speaker, instructor, body worker, and consultant, and she's an Aikido six-degree uh, six uh, black belt. Uh, she's also a Class A LPJ teacher professional, a corporate and conference speaker, uh, executive trainer and coach, and speaker for Vistage International and the Executive Committee of Canada. So, guys, uh, Jamie and John, welcome to uh, Coach's Corner. Thank, Thank you, Chad, for having us. Glad to be with you both. All right, appreciate it. And uh, and John, I'll let you. You know, we'll we'll stop a, a few minutes uh, early, and and uh, when we normally go through the routine of allowing you guys to uh, to let the folks know how they can reach out, I'll give you a moment to talk about the series that uh, I I sort of dropped a hint about earlier. I'll give you a chance to talk about that and and give it a, a quick plug. All right, guys, um, this is going to be the last show for you guys on the coaches uh, corner panel. So I thought this would be a great uh, time to have this particular conversation. These are some things that, that really to think about in the off season. I know we've talked about a lot of other things uh, in the past uh, years, but uh, this is some different things. And actually one of them, John, believe it or not, was inspired by a conversation that you and I had quite recently. Um, and you'll understand. So uh, I'm going to start with you actually, John, and then uh, Jamie, and then I'll, I'll flip the, the order uh, around from there. Um, John, the first question is this. Practice is probably, um, in my opinion, one of the most important things to really hone in on your skills and get prepared for when you get out on the golf course and playing. Um, but as we see with so many amateurs, a lot of them are out there just sort of willy-nilly on the, on the driving range, really not having any sort of a, a routine. Talk about, if you will, creating a practice regiment that's going to hold up. And what I mean by that is, as I said, a lot of them get out there and they're just sort of, you know, spraying balls all over the range. They're not really practicing with any sort of a purpose. Um, if you were advising one of your students, what are some things that you're going to tell them about creating a good practice regiment, if you will, that is going to hold up and stand the test of time? Oh, that's a great question, Ted. Now, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on the show. And, Jamie, I'm looking forward to being on the show with you tonight. Uh, the first thing that I always try to stress to my students um, is when they go to the driving range is to, to define why you are there. For example, um, are you there to take a lesson? Um, are you there to warm up? Or are you there to practice? And if you're there to practice, 
then you want to you want to be very specific in what you do. So you want to try to give yourself a time frame. So let's say that you have an hour. Uh, you want to take one hour of the, of that time. You want to divide that so that you're equally approaching the short game and you're approaching the full swing. Now, if there's something that you're really struggling with or you've just taken a lesson uh, maybe and there's something that you really want to work on, then then you can wait that more to maybe 45 minutes and 15 minutes one way or the other. But But what I don't want to see someone do is just stand there and hit ball after ball after ball with no target, with no routine, uh, pre-shot routine, and just kind of wailing away at shots. It almost, uh, you know, I see it all the time. Sometimes I'll be teaching a lesson, and I'll look over and see someone, you know, just hitting away like that. And it's really, um, you know, I know that they're, they're not only are they wasting their time uh, when they do that, but in a lot of times they're grooving something that, that is totally wrong uh, because that's just not the way you play golf. I mean, when you play golf, you hit a shot, and then you may not hit your next shot for five or ten minutes. So it's it's very important that that you have a routine, a pre-shot routine that you're going through. And if you don't understand what a pre-shot routine is, then I would go to your pro, your local pro, and ask them to teach you that routine. And the routine is something that, um, you know, you don't have to go through your pre-shot routine on every single shot that you hit on a driving range. But every third or fourth shot, you need to back away, kind of reassess, maybe change your target, um, and, and then go from there. And if you're working on a drill or something like that, you know, it's very important that you, you stick to whatever it is that your instructor is working with you on. It could be your grip or your ball position or whatever, and you focus on that one thing. But then once you're done with that, it's very important that you go balance that out with short game or vice versa. So I, I think having a balance and having a plan, and it, the plan starts – with you defining why you're there. If you're there to warm up and go play golf, then then I don't want you practicing. You don't want to be thinking about your golf swing before you play golf. You want to kind of loosen up and, and warm up, get a feel, and then, you know, go out on the golf course. Yeah, and some great points there, John. You're exactly right. Um, I think there's a, a fundamental difference uh, in practice. You know, there's a time – when you're getting ready to, uh, as you say, warm up before a round, that's not the time that you really want to be tinkering with your swing or working on specific uh, key areas that maybe you and your coach have been working on um, because that's just going to create further problems when you get out on the golf course. Um, when you've got some specific dedicated time that you want to get out there and, and practice and work on some of those drills and, and skills that you've been uh, talking to your, your instructor or coach about, um, you want to do that in a separate practice session. So uh, some great points there as well. Um, Jamie, along that lines as well, you know, we want to avoid what John just pointed out where, you know, you're looking down the range or maybe you're in, in a lesson with somebody, you're seeing somebody else down the range and they're really not very organized or practicing with any sort of um, purpose. And one of the other points they raised, which is in my opinion, a, a real um thing to, to be observant about and, and that is ingraining bad habits by just hitting ball after ball and not really thinking about what it is that you're trying to accomplish while you're there and you're just you know again maybe hitting 100 balls or 50 balls and you're using um, the improper techniques if you will so touch on that when you're working with your students and you're trying to ingrain um, some good techniques if you will and putting to helping them put together a solid practice regimen well, 
one of the, I mean, there's a number of things I'd like to uh, kind of say here. And one is that John talked about defining why you're there um, on the range, you know, at any given day, what are you doing there? And, you know, having, having some clear purposes to your practice. And I would say, uh, just to kind of bridge to the, the off season, um, and that's for people who aren't uh, quote unquote wintering, right? Um, you know, snowboarding to uh, some of these places so that they don't really have an off season, right. but a lot of people do. Um, and, and that would be kind of defining what what would you like to improve over the off season? Is it fitness? Is it um, you know? Is it focus? Is it your full swing? Is it some short shots? What and what are some things you can do um, indoors at home that can help your golf game? What other non golf things might you do that could help your golf game? But to you know, come up with a few goals and. Uh, and use the, your off-season time to really work on that uh, to put into your golf game. Um, in terms of grooving in correct habits, that's something actually that has always been a concern of mine. As you know, I'm a martial artist, and well, a part of the wisdom of the martial arts masters was to create what they call kata or form practice um, in order to teach kind of the complex movements of martial arts. So if you look at the golf swing, we basically have a backswing, downswing, impact, follow-through. And those are the sort of three main phases of the golf swing based on our fundamentals of posture grip alignment. Um, and so years ago, I was walking down the beach <laughs> in uh, San Diego, and I just kind of had a revelation that the golf swing is a kata. It's a repeating form. And so mm-hmm. one of the things that I've done is to look at, hmm, could I create golf katas, which I have, um, or what I call swing patterning. And so, again, the martial arts masters, when it came to kicks, punches, you know, uh, you know all sorts of uh, movements in martial arts, they're kind of complex and they've got a lot of details. They've got positions, they've got transitions of movement, and they've got qualities of movement. And we have all of that in the golf swing, positions, uh, transitions, and, you know, the kind of the quality, are we centered, are we grounded, are we strong, are we relaxed, are we flexible, all these kinds of qualities, confident. Um, and so um, I created what I call the Kiai golf uh, katas, and uh, they basically work using your golf club, and they allow you to work on the backswing phase of your swing, the downswing impact phase of your swing, and the follow-through, also the transitions of movement. And you can do that indoors. You don't need to be outdoors. You doesn't depend on the weather. Doesn't depend on the season. And by patterning uh, the golf swing, and you develop muscle memory, which golfers love to use that phrase. And I always ask them, "Well, what are you remembering? <laughs> I mean, uh, bad habits or incorrect <laughs> movements, or if you're going to remember something, at least right. that'd be correct." So, I mean, I've done my best, and I think, um, I mean, looking at all the freeze frame. Uh, shots of pictures of uh, in golf magazines, tour pros. I compare that with the positions of the katas that I've designed, and they're all just you know spot on. It's basically tour tour swing, and so I would suggest uh, working on uh, patterning your golf swing. That way, you get repeatability, you get consistency, that breeds confidence. And one of the really beautiful things about the off season is that we're not out there with golf balls all the time. We're not out there trying to shoot scores. We don't have an event that we can't take time out to practice or go to a lesson. We're just inside. We're just working on our swing. We're working on our mind-body connection, our muscle memory, getting that correct. Um, and I think that the, the 
off-season really provides a tremendous opportunity to people to remove all the pressures and stresses and complications of the golf ball and the shots and the scores and just work with yourself in the privacy and comfort and warmth of your own home um, with your golf club. <laughs> and work on, you can work on your flexibility. You can work on your strength. You can work on your backswing, downswing, impact, follow-through motion. You can get that ingrained in. You can develop uh, stronger neuromuscular pathways between your mind and your body as you're paying attention to that rather than actually hitting the ball or, or what your score is. So I actually think that the, the off-season is a tremendous time to make even greater strides in a certain sense and to work on things that people don't often work on or ordinarily work on. Yeah, and that you, you raised a, a ton of great points, Jamie. You know, the golf swing obviously has um, several uh, defined movements in it, and a lot of times, you know, as, as John pointed out, and obviously if, as you've pointed out many times as well, including tonight, you know, a lot of times we see folks getting on the range and they're not really putting any thought uh, or, or any purpose, as we've discussed before, uh, into their practice routine. And a lot of times, as you said, the off-season, um, for those that, that don't winter somewhere else uh, warm like Florida or, or uh, Arizona or, or even California, um, you know, can use this opportunity to work on some of the things that both of you have talked about. This is the opportune time um, because you don't really have too many other distractions. I mean, obviously you've got the holidays coming up and that, and there's lots of preparation there, but uh, these are things that, as you said, you can do in the home. You don't have to drive anywhere. You don't have to go anywhere and you can set aside, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes of your time um, a few times a week and work on some of the things that you guys are talking about without as much as even hitting a golf ball. So, uh, great points, guys, and I think that if people do that, and and again, working on a, a a solid pre-shot routine so that it's repeatable, and you get out there and you're ingraining good muscle memory, if you will, and not ingraining a bunch of bad habits. Uh, and it's always uh, important to whatever part of your game, whether you're working on the physical side of the game uh, or or even the mental side of the game, that you work with somebody that's experienced in that area. Uh, to help you along the way so that you're not picking up bad habits, that you're being ingrained and and, and working with some of the uh, issues that uh, may come up with somebody that's experienced in those areas. Um, great answers, guys. Um, Jamie, take a deep breath. I'm coming right back to you um, on this one, and then we'll reverse the order uh, again. Um, defining a playing strategy. Now, we're talking about playing out in the golf course um, but you could certainly apply this again if you want to use the example of off-season. Um, what we often see is somebody will come out at the beginning of the round and they'll say, okay, here's what I'm, you know, I'm going to focus on trying to shoot just par. I'm not going to try anything fancy. And if a birdie comes my way or, or anything else, you know, so be it. Um, but then they get out there and, and the wheels sort of fall off the bus and they don't stay the course with whatever plan uh, they've, they've set for. So, um, what do we do in a situation like that? How do we help them define a playing strategy and then sticking with that strategy and not trying to change it midstream or mid round, if you will? What are your thoughts there, Jamie? That's a tough question because when you get out on the golf course, things start happening. <laughs> so, you know, I right. may have gone out there to um, oh, say work on, I think a cool thing to work on is placement of your shots you know, right side of the fairway, left side of the fairway, can you place your shots, your drives, your second shots, um, 
I mean, I think that's a, a wonderful thing to work on. And um, so let's say you get out there and you're doing that for a few holes and next thing you know, something else came up. You ended up in a fairway bunker or um, greenside bunker and you're, all of a sudden you're working on your bunkers, right? I mean, I think we just uh, right. have a tendency to to skip around and to, you know, go with what's, what's in front of us. And so let's say that happens and, you know, you're in a fairway bunker, fine. Um, your, your strategy of trying to get in the right side of the fairway went too far right and you ended up in the bunker, fine. Uh, you know, hit your shot, great. We have to have a little bit of self-discipline and work on our focus and remind ourselves that what we're really working on is our ability to focus. So let's say, I mean, I have to then make a a commitment to myself, maybe to um, a playing partner, maybe to my teacher, that today this is what I'm working on. So even when some other situations come up over those 18 holes, I just keep that commitment and keep reminding myself, let's go back. What was I working on today? Um, and, you know, I, sometimes I don't know if there's any way around this really vital peak performance skill, which is the ability to have focus and to discipline yourself in some way. Um, you know, that's part of peak practice and peak performance. And, you know, he or she who can have that kind of, uh, I call it self-mastery, uh, using a martial arts kind of metaphor, uh, but he or she who has that ability uh, to really kind of master their their distractions or their um, uh, their ability to be self-disciplined and focused, I think that in and of itself is a skill. So you may be out there saying, today I'm working on placement of my shots, um, and then I get distracted. I need to know, and also what I'm working on is my ability to stay focused and not get distracted, and that that's something we're working yeah, that, on no matter what yeah. the other particular is. Turns out that is a huge plus in terms of um, mental game management, course management, um, you know, when you're actually out there playing around or in a competitive situation. So developing that ability alongside uh, or, you know, part, I mean, it's not even alongside, it's part and parcel of whatever you're working on that day um, is, is so important. And if people realize that, they, they'd be happy. they go, great. You know, if I just uh, upped my ability to focus or to keep with my sort of self-control, self-discipline, to develop my self-mastery, and I just got two more notches of self-mastery under my belt, that's fantastic. We ought to be happy about that. Yeah, and that's that's a uh, some great points. You know, um, John, as Jamie pointed out, you know, obviously we want to go out with some sort of a game plan or a focus in mind uh, for the day. You know, again, it might be um, a specific strategy in mind of of um, you know hitting certain targets, uh, whether it be the left side, right side of the fairway, or um, you know whatever your circumstances may be. And obviously, along the way we're going to get hit with uh, some some obstacles, whether it be a bunker or out of bounds or, or some other hazard that might be out in the golf course that we're going to experience. Um, but one of the biggest problems that we see with a lot of golfers is they don't really have a defined strategy or focus when they go out there. And again, they get caught up in the elements of what uh, or the circumstances, and it sort of derails the efforts that they've started out at the beginning of their round. So what do you say uh, to your students uh, when you're working with them to try to help them with that process so that when they're faced with some examples like Jamie just talked about, they're going to be able to handle that um, in the moment, but then get back on track to what their original agenda might be. 
Well, one of the things, um, this is a great, you know, a great question because there's so many situations that happen on the golf course that we all face. And I think Mike Tyson, you know, once said, uh, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And, um, you know, so, you mm-hmm. know, when you're on the golf course, um, you can have a, I could, I could sit there with a student and say, okay, here's how we're going to play this hole. And I could go through every, you know, I could pit, tell, talk about their target. I could talk about, you know, the hole and, and the, how the hole, you know, where the landing area is and all these things. And then they shank it, you know, in the trees or they top it off the tee. Um, and, and then all of a sudden that plan now is about getting back on course. And so this is why when you look at great players and for the listeners out there, the number one thing that, that you will see every single tour player do is they all have pre-shot routines. And the number one thing that they talk about with their caddy before they get the yardage, before they get is where their target's going to be. So the number one thing that I try to get every one of my students to do is to have a target. Because I could sit there on the first hole. I could go through and tell the, the student on every hole, this is where your target should be. But once they hit their shot, I don't know where it's going to go. So from there on, right. it's, it's pretty much a, 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 an adjustment. And golf is a game mm. of adjustments. You are constantly making adjustments. And the more experience you have, the better you are at making those adjustments. And, the, the, you know, some things that I would recommend the listeners do is, number one is, is when it comes to making these adjustments, you're, you're, you know, one thing is, is a lot of times when you hit bad shots, you're going to get upset. You know, we all do. I, I know I do. And I know I used to have a, a really bad temper when I was younger. And I found that if you're riding a cart, sometimes it's good to just get out and walk. You know, maybe mm-hmm. walk between the shots. Um, you know, so those are some things that will help you dealing with, with uh, you know, difficult sh- sh- uh, situations that occur on the golf course. But you definitely want to have a plan. You want to have an approach and say, okay, you know, this is my approach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, you know, lay up on this par five or I'm going to try to aim at this tree on my tee shot on my par four. I can, I can try to do those things, but, but as you know, golf doesn't always work out the way you want to. So it's very important <laughs> that you have the ability to make adjustments, and it, and it all starts in your pre-shot routine because your pre-shot routine should be to, number one, pick out a target. Number two, rehearse your swing. Number three is to go ahead, once you rehearse it, go ahead and do it. And then number four is to trust all the above. So if you just remember – um, you want to see the shot first, you want to feel the shot second, you want to do the shot third, and you want to trust all the above. And that's a Bob Rotello, you know, 101 right there. See it, feel it, do it, trust it. And if you can learn to do that on the golf course, because you have to do that on every shot. doesn't matter whether the ball goes where you want it to or goes in the trees. Even if I'm in the trees, I still have to have a routine. I have to, I have to figure out how to plan how am I going to get back into play and go from there. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, you know, you're exactly right. Golf is about adjustments. Even the best players in the world um, don't always hit their targets. And, you know, sometimes they find themselves in a situation where they have to make an adjustment to their original plan for that particular hole. Um, the difference being is because of their skill level, their adjustments aren't as severe as maybe a high handicapper who, as you said, may spray it into the, to the thick rough or in the trees and now has to hit a provisional, um, you know, so obviously your level and skill uh, of play uh, does come into play at some point, 
but understanding that you're going to be faced with um, not hitting every shot the way you want it, but again, having a game plan to start with to keep that focus um, to what it is that you want to do. Um, John, I'm going to uh, come back to you on, on this uh, as we reverse the order one more time. Um, and this was, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, you and I had, a, uh, as we do quite often, have some uh, interesting conversations off air. And this was something that you had kind of said. So I thought, you know, I'm going to throw this in tonight since you're going to be here. Um, and, and it goes again to this focus uh, how do we stay in the moment and and not several holes ahead? And and the, really the example you had had given me in, in our conversation is you know you get a player that maybe you're on hole number ten, but they're thinking about hole number seventeen for some reason. Maybe it's a difficult hole coming up, so their thought process is no longer in the moment. It's now thinking you know five, six, seven holes down the road. So what do we do? What's the conversation that we have, and how do we help our students? stay in focus and not be thinking about uh, another part of the round or something else outside of what's uh, what they're dealing with at that particular time? Well, when I speak, um, uh, you know, I've spoken uh, in many different venues and, and I was speaking to the first tee in Dallas, Texas um, a couple years ago and I, I showed him the golf ball and I said, you know, the golf ball, this is the, let's say that the golf ball is you and, and, and you represents your life and, you know, yesterday is history, and, and tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift from God, and that's why we call today the present. And what the best players in the world have the ability to do is they have the ability to stay in the present. And I think that that is the single most important mental aspect to golf, because I don't care how good your swing is. I don't care, um, you know, how many, um, you know, shots you can hit. If you are thinking about the last shot you hit when you're over the golf ball or you're thinking about the shot ahead of you, um, you know, two holes from now, you are not going to execute to the highest level that you're capable of doing. And so it's very important that you stay in the present moment. And that's why I think one of the great advantages the tour players have is they have a caddy. The caddy helps them with that. The caddy keeps them in the present. That's what they are drilled and trained to do, to keep them in the present moment. They hit their shot, and then they'll talk about sports. So they'll talk about what they're going to have for dinner or something like that. They get their mind off of it, and then when they get to their next shot, okay, here's the shot at hand. You know, we didn't, we didn't go exactly where we wanted to. We're a little bit, uh, you know, we're in the rough instead of the fairway. Let's make these adjustments. And then they go and they get them right back in the present moment, you know, and and then everyone, we're all human beings. I mean, I've seen uh, all players, you know, even, you know, we see Tiger sometimes get upset. And I will say this, Tiger Woods, I've seen him get upset on the golf course many times. But the one thing that he has the ability to do is he gets upset, but when he gets to the next shot, he is focused on that shot. And, and I've seen him yeah. do that, and I've seen him play bad rounds. And he, that's mental discipline. Most people, when they get upset, when they hit a bad shot, um, like I used to be when I was younger, I would, I mean, I would just play it through my mind for, for it seemed like hours. Or if I was playing really well and I'm on the 14th hole and I've got my best round ever going, I'm think I'm counting up the score. I'm like, my goodness, I'm, yep. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm thinking about if I can just make some pars, this will be the best score I've ever had. And man, the wheels just go right off. 
And so I've learned, I've learned that what I'm preaching right now is not because of something I read. I experienced it. I have gone through this, and it really, I mean, I feel like I have, um, I, I feel like I have pretty good mental discipline on the golf course, but not nearly as high level as a tour player. And I think that that's one of the reasons why tour players are on the tour is because they have those mental, the mental ability to stay in the moment. And Phil Rogers told me a great story about Jack Nicklaus. He said he was with Jack Nicklaus, and Jack Nicklaus had spent five hours in a board meeting and came out of that meeting and teed it up and went out and broke par like it was nothing. He said he was just he, – he had the ability to t- turn all that off and turn his mind on and hit one shot at a time. And that's, that's the single key that if you can learn to do that, I don't care what your level is, you're going to play your best golf if you can do that. That's a, an excellent example, uh, and you're exactly right. Um, you know, Jamie, we often see, as John had pointed out, a lot of our golfers out there thinking about not only maybe the last couple of holes, but maybe even thinking the round, uh, you know, that they played last weekend or a couple of weekends ago, or maybe if they're in a corporate event, maybe they're thinking about how they played last year. Um, and this is just something that perpetuates over time uh, into a bad thought pattern, if you will. What are some things that you like to do to, to help them stay in the moment and, and not be thinking, as John put it, uh, you know, about past mistakes uh, or what's going to happen, you know, five, six holes down the, down the way? How do we keep them focused in the moment? John used that uh, D word again. He talked about discipline, (laughs) mental discipline. And I think that maybe it's coming from the martial arts that uh, discipline is not a bad word. It's a really good word Um, when when it gives us control. It gives us self-control. And we're not necessarily born with mental discipline. It's not just a gift from God. It's something that you work on. And you can develop it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's helpful for people to have sort of maybe a more positive attitude towards that and to also know that, hey, I could get better at this. Uh, a couple things that I talk with my students about is the the $64,000 question. What's the most important shot in golf? And they're going, well, drive. I don't know. They say putt, you know, putt for putt for dough and or no, it's the shot to the green, if I can get it close enough. And so those are all the things we're thinking about. But the real answer to what's the most important shot in golf is this one. It's the one that you're just about to hit. It's not the last one. It's not the right. next one. It's the only one you have. And so that nearly needs to be the most important shot in golf. Um, we need. I work with my students on the ability to release, to let go. Because it's really easy, and I know this, I must say, I'm, I'm a teacher who teaches what I have most needed to learn and continue to most need to learn. So what I mean by release <laughs> is that, or let go, is to let go of the last one, right? It's like, oh, it's so easy for me. I just played a tournament right now. Like, oh, I wish I would have, I could have, I should have. Oh, if I, I should have hit my 56 instead of my 60 or, you know, I wish I had that one back. Right. And, like, that's all such useless chatter it's, it's completely useless that shot's over we are uh, where we are i am where i am i've got to play the next shot and um i mean it's always really fun when that succeeds like just happened to be in tournament the other day you know i missed a short putt and i was so upset about it well two holes later i rolled in a 30 footer and that's just because i was able to bring myself back 
And I think that's why golf is such a cool practice, such a real self-development practice. It's both for physical fitness and mental fitness, for kind of really spiritual development, mental mind game training. Um, there's also something that uh, I'll, I'll try to explain it. It, it took me a really while, a while to grasp it, but here it is. It's always now. And what mm-hmm. that means is it's always now. I mean, the only we know the only moment we have is now. But if you really think about it, what we're thinking about in the past was when that was now, right? I mean, whatever right. happened in the past, that was that was now then. And all these things we're thinking about in the future that we want to happen or whatever. But everything in the future, we're just thinking about when it's going to be now then. We're thinking about future nows or past nows. And so, in a sense, it's always now. When the future comes, that's going to be now, right? So we really do need to Mm -hmm. develop that ability to be in the now, now, (laughs) and to know that it's always now. We're just thinking about past nows or future nows, so why don't we just be in the now, now, and when the future now comes, we'll be there. And we kind of need to let go of past nows. We do know that a lot of mental game training will bring in past successes. And that's nice uh, thing to do. You know, like I've been on this hill before. Remember, I you know, think of that great putt you made there or that beautiful drive. You put it just where you want it. Or, wow, this hole I striped in. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just was on a hole that I, I think my uh, second shot for eagle. Like that's a great thing to think about from the past, right, the positive ones. The trouble is that we also bring in a lot of the negative ones. Like, oh, remember when I, dro- I drove it out of bounds on this hole. So, you know, it's a little dicey when we think about bringing in the past. It's really important to use discipline and to know that really the only thing that helps us in terms of um, past is to really think about, uh, you know, on the golf course is to bring in our past successes so that we're visualizing and feeling that high vibration, that positive confident I can do feeling that we're bringing that into our mind and our body for our next swing um, for the swing that's in the now now in the present so you know these are all uh, really interesting things to work with I think and that's one of the beauties of golf is that it gives us such an opportunity to be engaged in a very real way with these um, you know these these really interesting matters of of time and of being in the here and now yeah, that's a great way. I, you know, I, I was just jotting that down, uh, you know, and I just simply put the, the word now, um, you know, to, to make me think about that a little bit more uh, after the show tonight. But, you know, you're exactly right, Jamie. Um, and, and one of the things, too, that I think that a lot of people, and, and I think this really um, defines the difference between success and failure. I think a lot of successful pe- uh, people that have had, and we all do, we all have some negative experiences, whatever it may be in our life. Um, but the difference with successful people and those that, that continually fail is successful people learn from their failures. So even if you've had a bad hole, let's say two weeks ago, and you're now out in that golf course again, you come up the hole. If you haven't learned from that past failure, then you're going to continue to carry that bag with you. But once you learn from that particular situation and understand what it was that went wrong and what you need to do to correct that, then you can let it go. And I think the problem with a lot of people is they have not developed that skill or that ability to do that. And I think that's why so many people, it's like, you know, they get out in the golf course and they're 
you know, dragging 16 pieces of luggage with them uh, to every hole. And they're bringing all that excess baggage from every tournament they've played in, every, you know, bad scenario that they've had uh, on this hole or, or that hole. And ultimately, um, they haven't learned from each of those experiences. So they continue, uh, as I said, to perpetuate that negative aura, if you will, and, and have not learned to live in the now. Um, and I think that's because of the fact that they're not able to let go of that past situation because they didn't learn anything from it. So I think as we learn and develop, we be, uh, develop the skills to overcome these uh, circumstances, and then that becomes part of our confidence. Now that we know that we can successfully get out of that bunker, um, we know how to get to, to execute out of any bunker, um, that gives us that confidence that the next time we hit a shot into the bunker, we're not thinking about you know, the, the hole before or the round before where we hit you know, five bunkers in the round and didn't know what to do. So there's a lot of thought process that goes into that, and you guys raised some very interesting um, points here tonight in the discussion. Jamie, I'm going to come back to you. Um, here's another, uh, I think, thing that's uh, very, very important in, in golf as well. Uh, you know, we always talk about the pre-shot routine, um, but there's also a post-round inventory. Um, there's a moment after we've completed, it doesn't necessarily have to be right that particular moment. We obviously maybe want to go into the clubhouse and, and uh, you know, uh, continue on uh, the good cheer, if you will, with our, our, our playing partners. But there comes a point in time where we want to uh, sort of think in our minds that post-inventory as to what happened in the round, where can we learn from it, what did we do wrong, and then use that to uh, move forward in some, some positive ways. So what do we do when it comes to post-round? How do we take that inventory and how do we learn to sort of absorb the good things that we can take from it and how do we learn to sort of shed and discard the bad things? who keeps statistics, how many uh, mm-hmm. fairways they hit, how many greens in regulation, uh, how many one-pots, how many sandies, whatever, or up and down. Um, I mean, that's part, that can be, if you keep those kinds of statistics, um, then that's clearly something that you're going to want to review. And then, you know, over time, see how that's shifting. Or use, use that kind of um, statistical, shall we say, kind of or data, as a place to indicate your, you know, what you want to focus on next time or where to work. So that's kind of one part, I would say, the debrief, and that's if you keep um, stats in some way. Um, and if you don't, I think it's, um, it really is helpful to sit for, you know, at least five minutes, um, five, ten minutes, go over your round. And the biggest thing, I think, is to really think about the positives. It's so easy to think about the negatives, and there are, uh, are research studies on why – we have this, we human beings have this sort of perverse tendency to focus on the one negative thing, even in the midst of 10 or 20 or 50 positive things. It's just, I don't know, uh, I I, I can't quote that research, but I know it's there. Um, And I think we all experience that. We know that for ourselves. Um, So, you know, uh, I like what you are emphasizing is that anything that seems maybe negative is something to learn from and to kind of unpack mm-hmm. it a little bit and understand what was going on there. And sometimes there isn't even an answer. Sometimes you just made a bad swing. Sometimes you had a, right. a little stress, a release of the stress hormone, and you just, you know, something happened. Um, or sometimes we go, it's amazing how we can go sort of brain dead in the course of a second and a half, two seconds, 
over a golf ball. And like, it's like, where was I? You know, you don't even know in two seconds. It's pretty <laughs> incredible. Um, but, uh, you know, if we can learn from any of the, maybe a situation we didn't handle so well, maybe we caused, um, uh, turned what might've been a bogey into a complete blow up hole then that we didn't need to, or we turned something into a triple or quadruple bogey that, you know, max needed to be a double and maybe only even a bogey. So, you know, it's looking at that kind of thing. How, how we manage uh, difficult situations. Um, should we work on our scrambling, those sorts of things. Um, the flip side of that is to really take time with the positives and more and more. I just think that that's so important because, we need to be happy. It turns out that happiness as both an, as an emotion and as an energetic frequency. Happiness has a higher measurable frequency. Positive, the power of positive thinking lies in its measurably higher frequency um, of positive thoughts compared to negative thoughts. When we're in a higher vibrational state, we feel better and we perform better. So in the post-round review, it's really important to focus on the positive and to uh, that helps us build that, that positive frequency, that high frequency. It helps us build confidence. It helps us feel happy. It helps us feel good about what we did. And I think we have to kind of consciously counteract that, that again, that sort of perverse tendency that we have, which is to focus on the one negative in the midst of even more positive. And if there was nothing positive, hey, it's always positive that we were able to be out on a golf course, that we were out in the fresh air, that our body moved, we could hit a golf ball. Might not have been exactly the way we wanted it, but we were there, and how lucky are we that we're even out there. We're breathing, we're moving, we're hitting the golf balls, we're in the grass, we're in the sky and the, and the trees and the sunshine uh, company. It's, we're very, very fortunate that we're playing this game. So, you know, gratitude, and then, you know, come back tomorrow. There, there'll be another chance. That's right. Well said, Jamie. Um, you know, John, one of the things that always interests me is, you know, when people think about, you know, sort of the good and the bad of, of their game, uh, you know, you will see somebody out in the driving range and maybe they're, you know, hitting 30, 40 golf balls and they're just hitting them terrible. I mean, nothing's left, right, up, down. And all of a sudden they'll hit that one shot that will just be pure. It's right down the center. It's a beautiful high flight, maybe with a little bit of a a slight fade and they'll come back the next day and do it all over again. And on the flip side of that, you'll see somebody that'll play around um, and they'll hit some good shots, but they'll remember that one bad shot. And it always interests me that they'll during the round, they'll think about that one bad shot, but on the driving range, they'll think about that one good shot that keeps them coming back for more. It's kind of a bit of an irony if you really think about it from that perspective. I want to twist the question just a little bit for you. I just That was just a, a thought process I wanted to throw out there for, for you guys. But, um, John, I want to take this instead of just sort of repeating the, the post-round inventory. We've now taken that post-round inventory what do we do to prepare for the next time, whether that's tomorrow, uh, next weekend, or maybe next month, depending on, on our level of, of play? What do we do for preparation with what we've learned in today's round uh, after doing our post-round inventory? What do we do? Uh, what takeaway do we have? And what do we do to sort of set ourselves up for hopefully a successful future round? 
Well, I, first of all, Ted, I really like that outlook that you just said. I, I'd never heard that before. And, uh, and Jamie, those were some really good remarks as well. Uh, to, you know, echoing a little bit of what Jamie uh, just said is, is I, I believe in keeping stats. You know, if you're, you know, once a player learns how to play the game and they can get out and record scores, uh, I don't care whether they're a 30 handicapper or they're trying to play on the college golf team. Um, I want them to know when they get done, um, you know, obviously what their score is, but I also want them to, and they don't have to do this while they're playing. They don't have to keep up with, you know, their greens and regulation and all that. So they can do that after the round. But, but it's important that once you've gone home and you're, you, you know, the next day or you're looking at your stats, your stats won't lie. It's just kind of like your bank account. You look in your bank account, and that's not going to lie to you. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty honest to you. And so, what you do is you look at that, and then when you go to the to to the driving range again, you define why you're there. So, if you had a really poor day in the bunker, let's say that you got in six bunkers, and it took you know it took you two shots to get out, and you were really struggling out of the bunkers. Um, then, then obviously you're going to need to either a take a lesson with your pro in, on bunker play, or b go work on what you need you you know you need to work on and practice it and and make that better. So I really believe in in keeping stats and then and then having an idea of you know and using those stats to help you define why you go to the golf course and what you're going to work on, so that when you take that one hour. Instead of spending 30 minutes on the short game and 30 minutes on the full swing, you would spend 45 minutes in the bunker and maybe 15 minutes on the full swing. Or, you know, just so you're kind of, you know, weighting it towards your weakness uh, after that round. I think that's a very effective way. The one thing that you can't do is you can't put your head in the sand and just and just think, well, that problem doesn't exist. Because what drives me crazy is when I see students who will struggle in the bunkers on the golf course. And then the next day they go to the driving range and they're hitting drivers all day uh, on the driving range. Yep. And I'm thinking to myself, that wasn't the problem. You, you, what most people right. want to do is they want to practice what they like to do. Practice what you need to work, practice on your weakness, you know? And, and so um, mm -hmm. if you can, if you'll practice your weakness, then you're, you're going to, you're going to do a lot better in this game because everyone in golf has strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, in, 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 in the game, the more you play it, the more they define. And the thing that's crazy about this game is one week, my driving is my strength and the next week, you know, it's not. So there's a, there's an ebb and flow. So that's why it's important to have a balanced, well-defined practice plan. And, and then you have to manage it just like you would manage your bank account. And you have to say, Oh my gosh, man, I had 42 putts. I have got to work on my putting. Or I've got to take a lesson, yep. and so if you'll do that, I think you'll you'll uh, you'll enjoy the game a lot more. I couldn't agree wholeheartedly, and what a great way to end the segment. Um, you know, folks, really the, the key here, I think, when it comes to um, whether you're for those of you particularly up in the Northeast or even the Northwest, uh, you're you know experiencing some cold weather, of course, and maybe some snow depending on the circumstances. Um, you know, now's the time to really focus on getting ready for next season. And whether you have access to a golf course right now um, or even an indoor uh, practice facility, 
uh, or if you're just doing something at home, as, as we talked about earlier, now is the time to take those opportunities to start working and honing and doing sort of a postseason uh, inventory, if you will. How, how has your game been from early in the season to where it ended at the end of the season? Is it, has it improved? Um, what areas did you struggle with? And, and this is a great time. And, and be honest with yourself. I think uh, number one uh, is you have to be honest with yourself. Uh, and that's in every area of life. It's not just golf. But if you can't be honest with yourself out in the golf course, you're never going to improve. I don't care what instructor you go and see or how many lessons you take. Uh, if you're not being truthful and honest with yourself, then you can't really do an honest assessment of your game. And, and, and again, you might improve certain things with some professional uh, instruction. But if you're not out there and, and saying, you know, as John just pointed out, um, you know, if, if bunker shots – are something that you need more improvement on, then why are you pulling out the driver all the time on the driving range? Or if uh, keeping uh, a good mental focus on uh, the task at hand, as Jamie has talked about tonight, <clears throat> excuse me, and other times, then that's something that you need to think about and work on that. And there's lots of great ways that you can do that. You can work with a, a peak performance coach. Uh, if that's not in your wheelhouse, there's a lot of great books out there that talk about that. Um, and, and these are things that, uh, that you can, you can do uh, to help your game throughout the season. Um, guys, I want to thank you for, for doing a great job tonight. And as, as promised, I'm going to give you uh, both a, a moment or two to let the folks know how they can reach out and any final thoughts um, John, I'm going to let you go first. Um, as I mentioned too, I know you've got something, uh, an ex exciting uh, product, if you will, that you want to share with the audience, uh, following up on uh, our theme of, of a sponsor this evening, uh, golfswing.com. So why don't you share that and let the folks know how they can uh, follow up on that and how they can get in touch with you. And then Jamie, I'll let you close out. Well, Ted, first of all, uh, Ted and Jamie, I want to wish you both a, a Merry Christmas and also to all the listeners out there and hope everyone has a happy and, and safe uh, holiday season and, and a great new year. Um, I, last year I got um, I hired with uh, GolfSwing.com, and I want to thank them for their sponsorship of the show as well. Um, and um, I, I filmed a short game series called Pitch Perfect, uh, which came out on Black Friday. Um, and for the listeners out there, they're running a special between now and Christmas. Um, and if you'll go to save.golfswing forward slash John Decker, and, and that's all one word, John Decker, and uh, I spell it J-O-N-D-E-C-K-E-R. Um, if you go to save.golfswing forward slash John Decker, they will um, give you 25% off of the subscription price. And it has uh, my short game series has about 108 videos plus um, the other videos that I've done, uh, which is about another 150. But there's also a lot of great instructors on there as well, um, and so you can check those out. If you want to follow me on uh, Facebook, you can go to uh, I'm a, uh, on John Decker Golf Instruction. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And um, my book Golf Is My Life: Glorifying God Through the Game can be uh, found on Barnes & Noble websites and also Amazon websites. And, um, you know, if you're thinking about a Christmas gift, uh, it's, uh, I, th I think it makes a great uh, stocking stuffer. So Merry Christmas to everyone out there. And, uh, Ted, thanks for all you do for us. Well, I appreciate that. And I look forward to you coming back next season, John, and, and much continued success uh, with, uh, with all that you do. And uh, I know we're going to have a great uh, new year, and I want you to have uh, – a happy holiday as well. Jamie, um, 
let the folks know how they can reach out and any other final thoughts or if you have anything special that you'd like to uh, promote as well. Sure. Well, um, I love Pitch Perfect. <laughs> Sounds great, John. Um, thank you. And I think, yeah, thank you both. And thank you, Ted, always, always. Um, I do have one closing little story, and that is that uh, a little uh, pitch for a DVD series that I made quite a while ago that's uh, really an evergreen uh, um, series called the Kiai Golf Instructional Series. And I met a woman, this is God, five, six years ago. It's been a little while. She lived in New York, and we were talking about something else, and then golf came up. And she, she was just visiting California. They lived in New York. She and her husband, she said, oh, my God, my husband's a golfer. And she got my DVD series for him for Christmas. And so he said set up a net in his basement and was just watching my videos. And I have all kinds of fitness exercises and the swing patterning, the, the golf katas that I mentioned. And so he was just doing that all winter. And then May rolled around. It was finally a nice, warm spring day in New York. And he went over the driving range. And they had some different club guys out there, and they had all their launch monitors. And he said, hey, can I try? And so he just got on there and started hitting all these shots. And his sweet spot contact was incredible because, you know, I teach all about centered golf, centered plus centered, odd equal, centered, sweet spot contact. And he'd been doing all my exercises. Anyways, the the guy said to him, where do you winter, sir? And he said, come again. He didn't even know what that phrase meant, winter. <laughs> he said, I've just been in my uh, my basement all winter long. And it was his first day out, and it all showed up even on all of his stats on the launch monitor. So um just want to share that. He had improved so much down in his basement and doing fitness, doing patterning exercises, and it just showed up first thing out. Um, so that was really exciting. Um, and my DVDs are available on my website, which is uh, kiigolf.com, K-I-A-I golf.com from the martial art Aikido that I practice. Um, and uh, so people can always get a hold of me there. Uh, Jamie, J-M-I-E, at com, Facebook and LinkedIn are my main social media uh, venues. And uh, I am also always happy to hear from people. They can give me a call at 760-492-GOLF-4653. And I actually return phone calls. <laughs> um, and I do a lot of – I'm kind of the traveling, uh, you know, golf coach, golf sensei. I do a lot of corporate speaking, peak performance, stress management, um, golf and business, and of course, um, all kinds of key golf trainings, golf fitness, make your golf club your health club, etc. So, um, always happy to hear from people, work with people, and um, that uh, DVD series still works. It will always work. Universal principles for success, timeless. Perfect. So well thanks, said, Jimmy. Uh, many thanks, Ted, always, and to both of you, and wishing everybody happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and a wonderful new 2019. Perfect. Well, guys, as always, John and Jamie, thank you very much for joining me tonight on the Coach's Corner panel. You did, as always, did a fantastic job and uh, many blessings to the season to both of you. And I look forward to you joining me back next season on the Coach's Corner panel. So God bless to both of you and have a great uh, evening. And I look forward to you joining me again in the new year in 2019. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. Great questions. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Good night, guys. All right, that was the uh, special guest panelist tonight, John Decker, and, of course, Jamie Leno-Zimron on the Coach's Corner panel. And uh, I'm just going to take a quick uh, little break here, and uh, then I'm going to introduce tonight's uh, special guest, and then we'll get into the second half of our program. As I mentioned earlier in the broadcast, of course, we have uh, a great uh, new sponsor of the Coach's Corner panel. Of course, I'm talking about GolfSwing.com, and here's a little uh, reminder of just exactly what they do. 
Are you finally ready to improve your golf game? Golfswing.com is changing the way golfers learn online. With the largest collection of golf training programs and drills on the planet, Golfswing.com can help you improve every part of your game. Whether you want to gain more distance, hit it closer, or just sink more putts, Golfswing.com staff of world-class coaches can help you gain the results you need. Watch unlimited videos on any device from anywhere in the world and start playing better, scoring lower, having more fun, and saving money. Get your fix on demand at Golfswing.com. All right, that was, uh, again, our, our great sponsors, Golfswing.com, here uh, for the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, thank you guys for, for all of your continued support. And again, after the show, make sure you go and visit golfswing.com and check out their great online video academy. Uh, you can subscribe to the academy and get uh, access to literally uh, thousands of, of videos and particularly uh, John's uh, new signature series, uh, which they're running a special promotion right now until Christmas uh, called Pitch Perfect. So you want to uh, check that out while you're there as well. They've got a really good deal going on right now. So make sure you check it out. Uh, on their website, golfswing.com. All right, as I mentioned, uh, my very special guest tonight, as I uh, talked about uh, at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, he reached out to me a little while ago. We connected on a, a great social media platform, and we began uh, having a discussion. He had some very interesting things uh, that we talked about at that time, and I, I wanted to invite him on the show. And uh, so we're going to uh, do that here in just a minute. But uh, let me just tell you a little bit about him uh, of course, his name is uh, Alan Martin, and he's the author of a great book called Thumbs Down, Golf Instruction Made Simple. Uh, he's also the regional director for Ontel uh, Corporate Golf Wellness and uh, also a creator of Turn Golf uh, Into Business. Uh, he's an impact uh, team leader, a team player, if you will, with a track record of achievements as an original sales director, manager, and key contributor in the technology and financial services industries, a results-driven, uh, experienced professional with an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, he's a very serious recreational golfer for over 40 years and passionate about improving his uh, own game through the game uh, and growing the game, uh, sharing his knowledge and experience with men and women uh, from beginners to uh, other serious golfers that want to improve uh, their game with uh, some passion. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, that tonight. And then the founder of Ontel is going to be joining us. Uh, Russ Garman uh, is going to be joining us here in just a few moments as well. So let me bring out uh, my very special guest tonight, Alan Martin. Good evening, Alan, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Good evening, Ted. Hey, listen, thanks a lot for having me. It's my pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to this. No problem. I'm glad that uh, you were able to, to join me tonight, and I'm looking forward to our discussion. So I, I, I've done just a brief uh, introduction. The reason being is I really want to give you the opportunity to sort of share a little bit about your story uh, and uh, obviously you have a passion of golf, and we're going to talk a little bit later on about the book and, and some other things as well. And then in a few moments, we're going to bring uh, Russ on as well uh, to join in the conversation for a few minutes. But uh, why don't you start by telling a little bit about yourself and, and how you got started and how you got interested in golf and where we are today. Well, Ted, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take the stage for probably the first 10 minutes and kind of you know, br really – speak very, very fast, and go through an overview how, of how this all got started up to the point where it is today. And then I really want to introduce Russ because there's a good connection here and it all kind of fits together. And I'd like to give him about five or so minutes. And then after that, let's, you know, let's kind of get more into detail on some of the finer points. But right now, you know, the, uh, it's, it kind of starts this overview about me. My background as a 
recreational golfer. Um, started at about age 10. I started following golf on TV. And I got to tell you, the motivational thing at that point in time was um, I was kind of dragged into the city, New York City, with my parents um, to visit my aunt. And she had a color TV. And back then, in 1964, one of the only shows, the first shows in color TV was golf. At the same time, mm. Arnold Palmer was coming onto the scenes. That same summer, I found out by accident, my father plays golf. Now, back in those days, I grew up as a sports nut, an athlete, and of course, my father did it. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take up this game. So I started hitting balls in the backyard. He gave me a set of clubs. He cut them down. You know, I had a nine iron. I had a wedge. Um, I then went to the local schoolyard with one of my neighbors, and we'd kind of tinker around a little bit, um, hitting golf balls into trees and stuff like that. Eventually, as a teenager, started playing on the par threes, nine hole, you know, nine holes at a county course with my friends. As a mid teenager, I started to learn the game, but I was having fun. I enjoyed it. I played on the high school team for a year. By the way, we played at Beth Page, and I got to play the black a couple of times. But we only played nine holes. It was very low-key. Um, but early on, I noticed that I was just very good with my woods. I was very bad with my irons, and I couldn't putt. My putting was terrible. But I was very good with my short game, probably because of all that time I spent at the schoolyard hitting the balls into trees. What I noticed also was I had pretty much a power fade. I always sliced the ball from the very beginning, um, and that was okay. It was a power fade. I was a good ball striker. I played while I was in college a few times. I kept, you know, I, I kept up with the game. Um, I played college football, and then eventually I grew up, entered the working world, um, and play, you know, the idea of playing golf with customers was always appealing to me. And I tried to do that whenever I possibly could. In 1982, I took a job as a stockbroker. And, you know, what do you do at that point? You join a private club, which I did, tried to bring customers on. Um, in 1983, I won an incentive award. And the purpose of that was to join a club. I decided to change clubs. I'm now in 1984, and I joined a club in Princeton, New Jersey. Uh, I got very serious with the game. I found that I was an 8-9 handicap player. I won their club championship a couple of times, the handicap version called the President's Cup. Um, but in 1991, uh, I decided I wanted to get stronger. So I started lifting weights at a club. And next thing I knew, my power fade started to turn into an out-of-control slice, one of these banana slices. I was losing yardage. Mm. Um, I was ending up in the front bunkers and everything, and all of a sudden, it's what's happening to my golf game. So there's my problem. My power fade was turning into an out-of-control slice, and I didn't know how to fix it. So I went to the traditional methods. I never took a lesson before. By the way, I was a self-taught, do-it-yourselfer. Never took a lesson, but I started reading magazines, saw some stuff on TV, and frankly speaking, it was just all too complicated. Whatever I read, I would try to go out and practice. And, you know, again, I, I, I want to say this very the right way. Um, it was just all too technical. It was too complicated. Yep. It didn't work. It didn't work for me. And I just kind of realized um, there's got to be a better way here. Isn't there such a thing on the market, a simple how-to guide 
would allow me to just kind of pick it up, pick up some tips, go out and practice it, get better, and everything would be fine. Well, guess what? I never found such a product. And then eventually in tinkering enough, I kind of discovered that there was a better way to do this. And when I grew up, I was mimicking pretty much Gary Player. And back then, everything was left side, left arm straight, and you almost didn't use your right side, and you certainly didn't use your hands. Well, I eventually discovered the power that was in my wrists and started using my wrists and my hands. Now, all of a sudden, I'm kind of going outside the box. I'm going, you know, kind of where the pros tell you not to go. But it worked. It not only worked, immediately I gained 20 more yards on all of my shots, which basically I had lost with the power fade or the, the out-of-control slice. And then one day, just kind of playing hooky from work, in the afternoon, I went out to the club, decided to you know, hit some balls about 20 yards into this practice bunker. And the first time I took a swing, this little voice in my head said, use your new wrist action. Well, on a 20-yard shot with not much of a backswing, I hit the ball, and I didn't hit it 20 yards. I hit it 40 yards. And there happened to be a halfway house 40 yards you know, from where I was hitting, and it goes smack right into the halfway house. And I look around <laughs> me, and I'm, you know, did anybody hear that? But more importantly, what did I just do? So I tried it again, and I hit the same shot. And, it, you know, it was one of these right on the sweet spot, and – you know, the ball flew. And I said, what did I just do? And because the club was, you know, because I was hitting in slow motion, I kind of said, if I didn't know any better, I would think that I just turned my thumbs down at the golf ball. So that's where the word thumbs down comes from. But then I, I said, I got to go into the range and try this. All of a sudden, I felt like I discovered the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> and what I, what I found out was my slice went away. There was no technical language here, and I realized, wow, if I just make this motion as I'm about to hit the ball, everything just falls into place. All the pictures in the magazines that I'd seen that kind of show the same position of all the pros after they hit the ball with their hands turned over, all of a sudden that was, I was doing the same thing. But when somebody told me I was supposed to do that, I didn't know how to do it. Again, frankly, I don't understand what a swing plane is. I'm an average Joe recreational golfer. I wasn't the, you know, the brightest in school. <laughs> I was an athlete. You know, I, I daydreamed <laughs> and all that stuff about sports. I wasn't a very good student. So, you know, in a way, I make fun of myself. I'm not very smart, so dumb it down. So that's what I did. I yep. dumbed it down for myself. But I felt like I had discovered golf's holy grail. Immediately, I got real excited. Now, at this point in time, I'm working full-time. I'm, I'm a family man. I have a new family. Um, but I just felt like I had to share this with the other serious golfers out there at my club. I'm looking out on the golf course and saying, everybody out here could use this, and everybody probably doesn't even know it exists. So we're all serious golfers. What's on our minds? We're always looking to improve but improve with a passion. And when I looked out, I said, what's the market for this? And I came up with a number, about $40 million. 
So I said, now what do yep. I do? Well, one of my talents in my business world was writing. I mean, I was writing proposals and stuff like that, which is kind of boring. And then I said, well, let me see if I can't write a book about this. Unfortunately, the first thing I said to myself was, but this is simple. Who's going to want to buy a book that's two paragraphs long? You know, that's about it. Thumbs down. Just do it. Every works. I can't write a book about that. It's not long enough. The next thing was, I'm a nobody. You know, who am I? Who's going who's to take me seriously? So mm-hmm. immediately my, my idea was, okay, I was looking for that how-to guide that didn't exist. Well, that's what I want to create, something for fellow amateurs that they can take to the golf range. Just do what I tell you to do here. It's going to work. I'll give you some drills. I'll give you some do's and don'ts. But the difference is I live in your shoes. I know what you're going through. You're a full-time worker. You don't have time to practice. You get to the course 10 minutes before tee time. You don't know how to warm up. What do you do at the range? All those kinds of things that I had to retrain myself once all of a sudden that I felt like I had it. Now I know what to do. Now I want to improve. And now I know how to do it as opposed to just going to the driving range and banging drivers all over the place. So I decided I'm going to write a book. And again, it's a book written by a peer with simple language, many, many pictures. Let the pictures tell the story. And by the way, the pictures are not of me, although me is the main character. That's what I have on all the, uh, on the hats. Me and she are the two main characters of my book. But behind the scenes, they are people like Tiger Woods, Mark O'Meara, mm-hmm. Tom Watson, Jack Nicholas is in there. But I disguised them all. I had an artist kind of redraw some of the pictures that were in the magazines that I saw in the right hitting positions. And, you know, this way nobody's going to sue me. (laughs) But it wasn't me (laughs) trying to preach something that has never been done before. It was showing the best players in the world doing what they do, but having it explained in simple language by one of your peers. So that's what I that's kind of what I created. But I also decided that, again, who am I? So let me do something a little bit different. I look at the world like with a marketing set of eyes. So what I really Mm -hmm. created was a how-to guide, a pocket-sized version of it, something you could bring to the course with you, you could bring to the practice range with you. But it also had a marketing theme to it. It was a promotional item. You could put your name in it. You know, you put your company in it. You could put your information in it. And... You'd hang it on your golf bag like a bag tag. So it's now kind of like a billboard out there while you're playing golf in a nice, relaxed, non-competitive environment. It gets their message across, but it's also an instructional product. That's what I set out to create. I didn't realize it was going to take me five years to do it because it was all part-time, but it did. And my other goal at that point was it was self-published at the time. Well, look, if this doesn't make it, I don't want to go broke. So I wanted something that I can create on the company copier, which I did after hours. <laughs> it was a piece of paper. <laughs> I'd fold it in half, fold it in half again, and I was using, you know, the company copier. So I wasn't really spending any money. I had no marketing budget at the time. Well, in 2007, guess what? It was selected, my, my, my invention here was selected by the Golf Channel as one of the top 100 inventions on the show for inventors only. I went down to Orlando. 
I obviously didn't win, let's face it. Um, but it kind of got me, really got me started. In 2008, I decided it's time to really, you know, let's go forward with this. I joined a publicity summit. I got my book published. So I have a published version. I have a self-published version. I have an ebook now. I was on TV a few times. I was on the Comcast Morning Show as the golf business expert. I was on Inside Golf. Um, that's the video that I use. And this whole idea of the golf mm-hmm. business expert, all along the way here, I started to you know, develop a, um, you know, uh, a more comprehensive product, which used the experiences that I had in my own life using golf and business to help maximize my own success. Um, so I have this, again, this other program called Turn Golf into Business. In 2008, kind of like I thought my big moment had come, and that's when I got a, uh, an email that I had a purchase online of my book, and it looked like it was my target customer. He was the CEO of a, com- of a company. He lived down in Boca Raton, Florida, and he was creating this new television network He tried the book. I contacted him two hours after he bought it, and he said to me, you've created the holy grail here. We have to share this with the world. This is great. I've never seen anything like this. And he was going to put me on TV. We recruited a Hall of Fame instructor to be my spokesperson because, again, I knew right from the beginning, nobody's going to take me seriously, but I need to have a face that everybody would recognize and everything. So we had a team that was going to help me now promote the book. We built a product around the book. Unfortunately, just never got off the ground. So here mm. I am now kind of thinking that I've had it made, but I've got no income coming in. So, I mean, I literally had to do something. So I took a night job as a, uh, as a taxi driver. Well, the only good thing about that was it gave me a lot of time by myself where I kind of tinkered with this idea of turn golf into business. Um, it was all based on my personal experiences. Uh, the idea was it was to help companies to capitalize on the power and popularity of golf and the powerful golf business connection. And I started to develop this. And then I started to uh, you know, use LinkedIn quite a bit, contacting other people. And in 2016, I got a request from this guy, Russ Gorman. And I looked at his profile. And the first thing I, when I looked at the profile, I took a double take because it said he was the head golf instructor for Miller Coors, SC Johnson, and a lot of other big corporations in the Milwaukee area, which is where he's from. Well, he had his phone number on the, uh, on his profile. So I ended up calling him up and we had just a great conversation And after just a couple of moments of him telling me what he's doing, um, I said, Russ, I want to be like you when I grow up, (laughs) literally, (laughs) Uh, because he also had this thing on the profile called golf wellness. So here I am thinking that, boy, this sounds like it's a great compliment to turn golf into business. So Russ and I Mm kind of hit it off immediately. And rather than kind of tell his story for him. I want to introduce Russ, take maybe five or so minutes here, and I'd like to ask him a couple of questions and kind of give an overview of what corporate golf wellness is all about and what he created 
And I'm still envious on how he's doing right now because this thing has become a like a, a smash success for him. Well, so, Russ, that sounds good. Well, let's do that then. Yeah, let's uh, let's yeah. bring yeah, uh, so Russ Mormon to the to the show. Good yeah, evening, here, Russ, and Alan. welcome to Golf Talk Live. Yeah, well, how are you guys doing? We're doing, doing great, fantastic. Thank you for yeah, thank you for joining good. us. All right, well, no okay, Alan, Ted, go ahead. You I, had a... I'd like to be the host at this point and just ask a few questions of sure. Russ. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. By the way, this is Russ Gorman, and Russ is the founder of Corporate Golf Wellness. Um, the company now goes under the name of Ontal, O-N-T-A-L. I'll let him explain, you know, kind of how it all, how it all came together. But, Russ, as I said before, I looked at your LinkedIn profile. It said you're the head instructor at SC Johnson, Millicores, and some other corporations in the Milwaukee area. Can you explain what that means, that you're the head golf instructor? Because it just didn't, it didn't click with me what that meant. Okay. Uh, well, basically, it's not like a typical golf instructor that works at a, at a club or a driving range. Uh, I decided my strength was from the corporate world because I came from the corporate world. So basically my responsibilities are to teach all the employees at those major corporations golf, and I do it in-house, on-site at their plant. Um, I I quickly figured out that people weren't going to drive after work 45 minutes to take a golf lesson. So we set up uh, a, a miniature indoor driving range inside the plant, and I did all my instructions uh, during and before first shift, second shift, uh, during the day, lunchtime, after work, whatever. But basically, the employees don't have to drive to get golf lessons. I'm on site, and they just come down, they take their golf lesson, they go back to work. So, um, and we have the entire employees from the from the plant level people to the president of the company that are taking lessons from uh from me now russ these these students of yours were they seasoned um golfers or were they beginners yeah there's always seasoned golfers they always thought that was intriguing but our main concept was because golf was struggling to try to bring more golfers into the game and we've been going through this lull of people not joining private clubs and uh, the lack of where do you get more golfers. Well, when I looked at my 30 years in the corporate world, I realized that these big companies with 10, 15,000 employees have all these people, which most of them don't play golf. I mean, when you take a typical plant level uh, employee, they do a lot of, in Wisconsin, they do a lot of hunting, they do a lot of fishing, they do a lot of camping, they play a lot of baseball, but golf is not one of the things they do. So we wanted to introduce golf at their company headquarters where people could learn how to play golf um, right without having to make it so difficult. Um, And I kind of came across the idea because my previous life for 30 years, uh, I was in the corporate world, and to be honest with you, my success came from me being a good golfer and me being a golf instructor and training and teaching the, my customers how to play golf. Uh, and 
I found out by doing that how important golf is in building relationships with people and networking through companies because once people found out I could teach them how to play golf, we became really good friends. And we, I still have relationships that are 50 years old where I taught them how to play golf, taught their wife how to play golf, might have even taught their kids how to play golf. And I never, ever again was I a supplier. I was now a golf friend that taught him how to play the game. And uh, so I wanted to take that same concept to the corporate world and expose golf to regular people that now don't play golf. So uh, that's what we were searching for was new golfers. Okay, Russ, but your method, what you told me, and by the way, what I am now teaching at Princeton University is kind of a different way of getting people started, right? Not so much with a golf club, but can you quickly explain yeah, you know, I, I your technique I, and why you went that approach? Yeah, I, I found out that from my years of teaching people that the more tech, technical you got, the worst results you had. Uh, if the first thing you do with a golfer is try to change their grip so it feels unnatural, and then you want to teach them how to keep their left arm straight, keep their head still, turn their right hip, turn their left hip, turn their shoulders, transfer their weight, all this type of stuff, it becomes impossible for them to do it because they have too many things to do. So I discovered early on that everybody that I met actually knows how to swing a golf club and just they don't realize it. And to me, golf is nothing more than taking a large exercise ball underhanded and throwing it as far as you can throw it. Um, When you do that, you actually rotate your body, your core of your body, to accept the the throwing motion. Your weight goes on to your right foot. Uh, When you throw the ball forward, you transfer your weight to your left foot. You let your body extend towards the target, and you do another rotation. And in my 30 years of doing this, I've never had anybody that I've given a ball to and said, throw this as far as you can underhanded that didn't make a perfect golf swing because everybody knows how to throw something underhanded. And there's only one way to do it. And that is to use your body and your core and your legs to throw the ball. You would never pick that ball up with your hands and your arms, put it over your head and try to throw it. So I said, okay, this is how I'm going to teach people simply the golf motion. If I could get them to understand the motion of the golf swing, I figured I could get them to play golf instead of teaching them all these technical mechanical moves. And it's been working for 30 years. And I can proudly say that in 30 years, nobody has ever quit the game that I taught. They're all still playing and having fun. Russ, that's terrific. Look, for the sake of time, I think that's a good place to kind of end the segment or this piece of it and turn it back over to Ted. Okay. <laughs> um, let me ask you real quick, and, and, and you're exactly right. I just want to make a, a comment to what you were talking about, Russ, and, and uh, a little bit, Alan, what you had mentioned um, earlier on about it being very technical in the industry. I can speak as a golf instructor. I, I know that for, for years that was kind of one of my pet peeves as well, that uh, it, it's been um, too technical for a long, long time, and it's actually been a turnoff. Uh, to a lot of individuals 
taking up the game and that have been in the game for any length of time that have had some issues. So it's definitely um, a, a problem for a lot of folks. Um, so you let's talk about, if, if you don't mind, Alan, I want to uh, ask Russ to, uh, and yourself to maybe talk a little bit about how you guys came together um, and, and Alan, particularly how you became a part of, of what uh, Russ is doing now. Well, after, you know, after the initial conversation, um, Russ and I kind of continued to talk, um, and that's just kind of part of my DNA. I like to, fo- I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a salesperson, so I found something of interest. I wanted to continue the conversation, and then Russ just said, look, I think the best way to do this is why don't you come on out and visit? Now, at that point in time, Russ had merged with another company. I mean, he can explain that better. Um, sure. But, you know, Russ picked me up at the airport. I went out there, met the company Antal, which was an apparel company in Milwaukee. I mean, the company makes custom apparel in the U.S., which I just found very unique also. You know, it, was, it wasn't imported. And I went, I spoke to the president there. Everybody was very friendly. No offense to anybody, but they're not from New York. You know, they're Midwestern people. They're very friendly. <laughs> so I just enjoyed the whole thing. I, I liked him. I liked his partner, Dan Webb, who now runs the golf portion of Antal. Um, you know, we can, like I said, we continued the conversation. I went out there. And then I kind of decided after we all kind of, you know, really hit it off. And by the way, I mean, Russ... Russ has another focus here, and that's this whole idea of business and golf, which, again, mm-hmm. as, as I said before, that's that's one of my focuses. So um, it, it was just a good match. And yeah, then I found some wax, and I showed Alan where I took him to one of my corporate customers and showed him right. how we do things. We had a we had a racquetball court set up indoors where people I could teach, and he saw that we were when we walked in the building, we were accepted as different than just a normal person walking in the building. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. we saw had taken golf lessons. We had friendly audiences. People were couldn't wait to talk to us and see us and help us out. He saw how we, we build a friendly teaching environment, and we work with all kinds of employees. I mean, the women and the men and the retirees and the young marketing strategy people to the people who are two months from retirement, it's not too late or too early for anybody to learn how to play golf because not only is it a great necessary thing in the business world because of networking and how you, how you, how you meet people, but it's also a great social activity for your, for to play with the the other employees, to play in your company league, to, uh, to play with your family, to, play with your friends. It's another social skill. And I've always felt one thing about golf that makes it unique is it's a, it's a, it's a lifetime wellness activity. It's something you can do from the time you're five years old to the time you're 90 years old. And you can't do that if you're playing football or basketball or baseball, there's your, your body gives out on you, but golfers can be young. They can be old you can play it for an entire life. So I think it's a great lifetime wellness activity that everybody should learn to do 
just because it's something you can do, whether you're a man or a woman. Yep. Now, Ruth, right. why did you contact? Why did you contact me? I beg your pardon. Why did you contact oh, me why, in the first place? Well, I was like, yeah, we 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 were reaching out to people looking for golf instructors that would want to be able to go into corporations and build their own business like I had done uh, and to, to learn how we do what our philosophy is. We are not just the golf instructor uh, at the companies. Uh, We sell apparel to the companies with their logos on it. Uh, We sell their, their company golf balls. I, I, I fit people for golf clubs. We have our own website where people can, the pros can buy their clubs and sell them to their students. Uh, I mean, it's it's 20 degrees here in Wisconsin. The last uh, 60 days, we've been cold, unusually cold. But just in, since October 1st, I've sold over $25,000 worth of golf equipment to my students, and and golf's over. And somebody said, well, how can you sell golf equipment in October and November? And I said, it's very simple. They're all these are all people that are going away for the winter. They want to play better golf. So I take them to my track man machine and I fit them for the right driver and the right set of irons. And I make sure that they have the right equipment. So we don't just teach golf. We try to do every aspect of golf that is required by the employer, the company. So we become their golf expert to help them with their corporate golf world. Russ, let me ask you just a quick question, uh, if I can, uh, Alan, hang a second, then I'll let, I'll let you continue sure. on. Um, you know, Russ, obviously you, you get an opportunity to work with both men and women in these companies, and right now the golf industry has really seen a spurt in women's golf particularly, and I'm not talking about the professional level, I'm talking about women's interest in golf. Are you noticing that as well as you're going out to corporations that a lot of interest is coming uh, from women as much as men? Uh, I would say that for the last 10 years, probably 70% of my instructions have been to females. And the mm-hmm. females realize in the, in the corporations that they need to get involved in doing something other than sitting behind a desk. So if they learn to play golf, they meet and they, they play with the guys. They play with other women. They go to company events. They, they represent their companies at golf outings. Uh, so uh, women are a huge source for us. The, the Executive Women's Golf Association we work very closely with, as well as the LPGA. Mm-hmm. But the Executive Women's Golf Association has is basically executive women playing golf. And they have in their statistics that women who play golf make 17% more income than somebody that doesn't play golf. And in today's world, yep. that's a lot of money. Yep. And that's because they yeah, have exactly. the ability they have the ability to do something different than just sit at a desk and write or program things or do things. They actually go out and represent the company. They're the image of the company. And if they can learn to play golf, and, and of course, as, as you know, because you, you've instructed people mm-hmm. how to play golf, that – Women are different than teaching men how to play golf. Actually, women are better yep. students. They will actually do what yes, you ask are. them to do. They will actually practice. Right. <laughs> they are very right. dedicated. They're very dedicated to get better. And you can take a woman that has never played golf, 
Uh, I have one of them that I started. She was a shot about 130 when I started with her. Today she's a floor handicap and has won the club championship 13 years in a row. And she's wow. actually playing. She plays better than I do. But now I'm 73 <laughs> years old and she's, you know, 40 right. years old. So she's, she's much younger than me. But I mean, this happens to me. I've had in my junior programs, we have junior programs at all our companies. I've had 12 girls from Johnson Wax that took up golf through Johnson Wax's golf program, which I ran. All 12 of those girls got golf scholarships at colleges. Right. So they went from never playing golf to playing high school golf to going on and playing college golf. And if I wouldn't have been there, they never would have learned to play golf. So, right. That's a, uh, that's a great, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a, that's a yeah. great point. You're exactly right. Um, and, and Alan, you know, you know, as a business, as, as a business person as well, you know, you've been involved in sales and a lot of women now that are getting out in the business world, not just working in, you know, for a company as a corporate executive, but actually starting their own businesses. What a big benefit this is. And, and this is obviously why um, you're very passionate, Alan, about turning uh, golf into business, correct? Absolutely. But there's another side of it, Ted. Um, let's face it. I mean, golf is a big commitment of time and, you know, nobody has enough time anymore. So I believe that you can use the power of the game without playing it sometimes, you know, just conversation. I mean, golf is a, it's, it's a worldwide game now and you've got Ryder cup you have President's Cup, you've got all these different tournaments from people all around the world. So part of what I developed here is a way to capitalize on the power of the game, even if you don't play it. Because let's face it, again, it's not for everybody. Um, we'd like to get people out there. But if you don't, it's not like, you know, it's like taking advantage of football. But you don't have to wear a helmet and shoulder pads and, and try to kill each other to take advantage of the power of the sport. That's kind of like part of my philosophy. Um, yeah, and it's a good it's a good point, Alan. And uh, in today's world, the commitment part in in your large corporations, they all have company leagues. At Johnson Wax and Miller, they have probably thirty or forty golf leagues. And basically, all it is is nine holes a week in your company league with your with your group. And we have so many people that have joined these nine hole leagues. And they only play once a week. But you know what? They get out. They play nine holes after work. Uh, they enjoy it. They have fun doing it. They meet people. Uh, it's a wonderful experience. And you didn't go out and spend six hours on a Saturday or a Sunday. This was basically from 5 to 7 o'clock at night. Uh, and you go out and you have some fun and you socialize with your other employees. And it, it's that to me, that's golf. I mean, it's just as important as me playing 36 holes in a weekend because they are a golfer. What I found yeah. throughout my career was some of the key, you know, elements in sales and just actually in business in general is you need to open doors. You want to create rapport. Yeah. Building lasting right. relationships is very important and networking. Well, yep. again, golf is that vehicle, and it's great if you play it. It's great if you spend hours with people doing it. But if you don't, you know, 
you still can take advantage of the sport. And this, this is exactly what I did throughout my career. I can't tell you how many doors I opened that I never would have been able to, including you, Ted. I mean, you're a good example. Yep. If I wasn't right. in the golf business, if I didn't have an entry into the golf business, which in my case was authoring a book, and actually I invented a few products, which I hope that we can talk about a little later on in the show. But I'm sure. still very, very big on capitalizing on the power of the sport. And, again, it's just a powerful golf business connection that you want people to take advantage of. Well, and one yeah, of the things, let me just quickly you, add, and, and then, yeah, let me just quickly add something, Alan, and then, and then we're going to move on to, we'll talk a little bit about the, the products. Um, you, you really hit it on the head. You know, golf is, is really an opportunity for people uh, to be able to open doors uh, and develop a, a relationship, if you will, um, and opportunities to network. And I think going back to what, what I mentioned a few moments ago, what we touched about, about women particularly, this is something that they are now starting to recognize that, you know, typically, you know, maybe a sales call, you might be lucky in best case scenario if you get 15, 20 minutes uh, with a, a prospective client. But on the golf course, you can literally have their attention for several hours, depending on, on the situation. And that's something that is uniquely inherent to, to golf. And I think women are starting to recognize, they've seen for you know, decades and decades, men using golf as a business tool and not really understanding the benefits, thinking that, well, they're just going out playing golf and wasting time. But men understood the value of those relationships and, and networking and so forth. And they obviously golf was strictly a vessel that they used to accomplish that. And that's what's something that, that women um, have recognized now. And I think that's what's drawn them, especially, uh, again, not just corporate executives, but women entrepreneurs are recognizing the value uh, of golf and their business life as well. And, and Alan, you know, this is something that you discovered and now you're wanting to relay um, to, to the listeners out there as well, correct? Yes, yes, Ted. Listen, the bottom line here is one thing that I learned very, very early on in my sales career, people do business with people they like. Yep. Exclamation point. It starts right there. <laughs> well said. Yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. And, and the, you, build, I mean, you build a really you know, the, nice relationship doing that with golf. I mean, it's a friendly way to get to know somebody, and it's another thing you can do with them, talk about, totally different than taking them to a football game or a basketball game when there's a million people screaming around you. Uh, you actually get to talk, you know, person to person and find out something about that person or what makes them tick, what, what makes them happy, what their, what their life is like. You learn so much about them that you can't from another taking them to a, a sports, you know, game or something. Uh, and right. that's, so that's right. one of the things golf allows you to do. Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing, too, very quickly, and then, and Alan, I want to ask you about your, your products here. Um, the other thing that it also does is it gives you an opportunity to see whether or not you even want to do business with uh, a particular individual. I mean, obviously, it gives you a chance to develop that rapport, but it also gives a, a testament, which, unlike no other sport, their character, how they handle themselves out in the golf course. Are they honest when they're out in the golf course? You know, are they cheating or so forth? And it tells you a little bit about the character of the individual and allows you to make an informed decision that maybe that might be somebody you don't necessarily want to do business with as well. So it, it has a, not only a positive, but also 
it has an opportunity to see uh, and judge the character of your prospective customers. So um, it's great for relationship building, but it also allows you to see the level of integrity of those potential customers as well. Um, Alan, you mentioned about products. Um, you've created uh, some complementary products. Tell us a little bit about each of them and, and what their purpose is. Well, first of all, you know, again, let's start with the book. The book was originally my own self-preservation for my own golf game. Let's face it, I was a passionate golfer, and my game was my game was going out of control in the wrong direction. I had to fix my own game. So in the process of fixing my own game, I just discovered there's 40 million or more people just like myself. And it's simple. It's easy to understand, very easy to execute. So I started by writing a book. Again, I'm a marketing person. I'm a salesperson. The next thing was, okay, um, we want to grow the game. But I use golf. You know, I want to, as we just talked about before, I want to get out there and play with people as much as I can. But I'm good. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to brag or anything here, but I'm I'm, I'm one of the top, you know, because I I can break 80. I can break the uh, I can break you know shoot around 80 or so. I'm one of the I guess top amateur golfers out there from a you know from a percentage point of view. But there's a lot of people that aren't aren't that good, and um, if I can help them become a better golfer with my book and by teaching them how to how to you know at least play better and not embarrass yourself. Well, that you know, that's a plus. The next thing is, mm-hmm. I use golf in a certain way, so I started to kind of build a bigger picture here with all the other components. And part of it was, well, how do you use golf as a promotional type of an item? I mean, I'm I'm into the business development world. I'm into the marketing world. Well, you know, I can help out sponsors. I can help all those people that want to. Um, you know they're promoting their products through golf tournaments, but they spend an awful lot of money doing it, trying to capture this big audience. Um, I am more of a grassroots thinker, a one-on-one, eyeball to eyeball, and I've come up with a couple of ways that you can use the game. Matter of fact, um, one of the focal points is, you know, golf outings and stuff. The the main the main reason for those are as a fundraiser. Well. I've been able to go out and raise money for various organizations around me, nonprofits, the local uh, high school football team, PAL, fire departments and things, by going out during their golf outings and doing a fundraiser, kind of a beat Allen, beat the pro type of contest. And I realized every time I did it, I raised money for them. Uh, I realized that everybody was happy. And if I had somebody there that wanted to promote their products, I now had a receptive audience. Um, I was a pretty good speaker. I did a lot of presentations in my life. So I could do a pretty good seminar on teaching people how to use the power of golf to maximize their business potential, just the way I did for myself. So it's kind of like a seminar series. So that's the educational piece of Turn Golf into Business. I have a fundraising piece. And, of course, the book is the instruction. But it all has an ulterior motive also now of helping companies sell products through the golf audience and through all that kind of time that you have one-on-one with people and where people are receptive, they're in a non-competitive, you know, very comfortable environment. 
So I've kind of built this, you know, a total comprehensive marketing and business development platform called Turn Golf in the Business, which has a fundraising component, an education component, instruction, marketing, and business development. And what I'm very happy to say is I come at a fraction of the cost of traditional marketing media with an ROI that I believe pays for itself many, many times over. So that's kind of like my, my bigger picture. But in the process, and I, you know, I said earlier on that I'm, you know, putting is, is really one of my weaknesses. Um, <laughs> I wasn't kidding. Um, there's, there's no glory in being uh, in the top ten of the world's worst putters. Uh, so I had to do something to fix my own game. Now, in the process of writing the book, um, I came up with this alignment tool. And it's a virtual alignment tool that I use myself. You know, this concept of let's see the line. Well, I take it literally. I like to see the lines on the ground. You know, they put the, uh, the alignment sticks on the ground to make sure that you're parallel and you're facing your target and all that. Well, I found a way to do that with a particular tool where you don't have the sticks, but the lines are still there. So it's kind of like a training aid that you can bring with you on the course, but you can use it on the course. It's legal because there's no real product, but it couldn't make any money doing that. So I wanted to somehow find a way to productize it. And one day kind of by accident, um, I was looking at a golf ball and put my alignment tool on it and said, wow, when I put this alignment tool on the golf ball, um, I'm actually improving my putting now because now I can see the line and I can make a pendulum swing straight back, straight forward. Now, I have one golf ball that's set up if you're a righty, but from an alignment standpoint, if you're a lefty, well, everything is in reverse. Well, I was able to kind of make this, so now I have a golf ball that is fine-tuned for righties and one that's fine-tuned for lefties. Now, I know it sounds like a, ter- a, you know, a terrible gimmick, a righty and a lefty golf ball, but it's not a gimmick. So I use it myself. I've had some balls made up. I've been using them all season. So I have a ball that I call the target line. I don't have, you know, right now it's, 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 it's still in beta test. It's not commercially made. I use it myself but it's just kind of one of those items that I've created to help my own golf game. And I think it's unique. Um, It's also unique. I think if somebody puts their logo on it, you know, logo golf balls are pretty, uh, pretty common out there, but this is very, very unique. This is different than just a, you know, your your standard brand golf ball with a logo on it. Um, So I'm looking for people that might want to, uh, might want to adopt the product to put their logos on. Also, when I said earlier that I, you know, have my book and to be able to use it at the at the range and stuff to practice with, um, it would it would be on the bag like a bag tag. Well, in order to do that, I had to I had to have a special vinyl pouch to put it in and then keep it dry. So I created a product called the, what I call the Card Keeper, which is a vinyl pouch. Um, I use it now with my scorecard and my pencil, but it also has another pouch on it where you can put the book in it and you can slip that in your pocket. And I wouldn't say read it on the course, but if you're looking at it, 
it's going to remind you. It's a mental reminder. Oh, you know, because oftentimes when we're out there playing, it's not until the 17th hole that we remember we were supposed to do something, and it's too late already. <laughs> right. Right? Right. That ever happened to you? Yep. It's happened yes. to me. <laughs> so I have this product called the card keeper. I have this ball called the target line. Um, you know, as you know, I've got the book. The book is an e-book. Um, I do want the listeners to know that if they do buy my e-book online, um, they get me. In addition, I give a kind of a free virtual lesson. Um, you've seen my video, Ted. Mm-hmm. Yep. I give them the video, and they basically have me for life. You know, if they, I want them to use me as their golf resource. I'll tell you this: my ulterior motive is, once I build a relationship with them, now I have a much bigger arsenal, including everything Russ said. And that's the reason why I was so interested in hooking up with him, was because as I'm developing kind of this bigger picture, um, he just added another chapter of things that I can offer people. So that kind of you in know, a nutshell is, is, is what I offer. And right. I, and I like say to this. what's interesting. Okay, Sorry, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say I, is, you know, I, finish your thought, finish your thought. Well, I, you know, again, I don't want to, I don't want to do too much of a commercial message here, but I want to reach out for, um, I'm, everything I'm talking about right now, Ted, I'm doing part-time. I'm not able to kind of quit my day job um, and just kind of go off and do what Russ did, kind of do this full-time. So this is all kind of still in the works for me. Um, What I am looking for is somebody that likes what they're hearing and just feels like they want to know more about this and would like to maybe sponsor me so that I could do this full-time and work for them and increase their business. Like I said, um, I believe that the ROI is going to pay for itself many, many times over. So I'm looking for a sponsor. And it's really a company that's looking to sell stuff. But I come at a fraction you know, it, of the cost of what traditional methods are. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's important, too, for the listeners. Um, and, and we have a variety of, of uh, listeners through the program, not only people within the golf industry, but obviously um, people from the corporate world and, and just your average Joe, if you will, out there. So there's a lot of re- relatability into what we're talking about here tonight uh, on the program with not only about your book, but about uh, Ontal and, uh, and, and about the products that you just mentioned. And I, I want to really stress to the listeners out there that if there is somebody listening to the show tonight that um, has been tuning in here for the last uh, hour uh, with with Alan and Russ and uh, Alan particularly, you know, uh, I want to encourage somebody to to reach out to Alan and and learn a little bit more about some of the things that he's been talking about here tonight. Because I think, uh, you know, there's no doubt, Alan, we've talked a number of times on the phone since we first met, and uh, obviously you're very passionate about what you want to do. And and I like the fact, and one of the reasons what caught my interest and in, in why I wanted to have you on the show, and then obviously ultimately extending an invitation to Russ as well, um, is it's really about helping other people. And that's really what I do with my program is I use this show as a vessel, if you will. I mean, obviously I I teach golf and I enjoy golf and love to play golf. um, But I want to be able to do something to give back and share stories like yours. Um, So if there's somebody out there tonight, uh, Alan, how can they 
go about reaching and, and what's the best way to, to sort of uh, bridge that gap, if you will, with you? What's the best way for them to contact you? Well, my email is thumbsdowngolf, all one word, thumbsdowngolf, at gmail.com. They can find me on LinkedIn. My website is www.golfinstructionmadesimple.com. On the website is a tab for Turn Golf in the Business. There's a tab for golf fundraising. It describes my problem, as I said to you. It describes my solution. Mm. You can buy the book, the book online, and you can buy the published book at, you know, your, your, your bookstores, your uh, Amazons, Barnes and Noble. But I would encourage them really to start with the ebook and let me work with them. The ebook is more comprehensive. The the the, the published book is more of it's it's. I mean, I. I I broke the book down into two sections. One is the front nine, which is more of the introduction, and then there's a back nine. And the back nine is really the meat of the book with the drills, the do's and don'ts. And I have an edition called the Pro Edition, which combines the two. So the published book is the front nine. It's really the introduction, and it gives the the about me, you know, 40-page autobiography or so about me. But you can buy that. That's a physical book, but... When it comes to if you're really looking to learn, go to golfinstructionmadesimple.com. Take a look at the uh, the pro edition there. And, uh, again, I'd be very happy to work with you. But I, I would encourage go on LinkedIn, connect with me, email me. Um, I want to have a phone conversation with you. I'm very one-on-one. You know, that's the way I like to work. Uh, I, I try to be, you know, again, eyeball to eyeball, feet on the ground and you know, let's get to know each other type of thing. Well said. And, and Russ, very quickly, um, as we get close to, to wrapping things up here, um, if you want to let the listeners know how they can maybe reach out to you as well and learn more about Ontel, uh, by all means, uh, provide your information as well. Yeah, they can They contact me. They can, again, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my personal uh, email is havegolf at gmail.com and the Ontel website is ontelcgw.com and they can learn everything about Ontel Corporate Golf Wellness online and in the world we're living in where there's a lot of golf professionals and golf instructors struggling looking for work all I can tell you is I've been doing it for 30 years and it is a it is a it's an entire career if you decide to get into the corporate world because there's not many people doing what I'm doing. Uh, you know, we have some right. people in every state doing it, but it is a great alternative to being to working at a club or working right. you know, at a driving range. It's a, it's a it's an exciting world. The corporations need you out there. So. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Well well said. Yeah. Well, um, Alan, uh, I'm going to give you the last say if you've got any final thoughts or comments that you would like to make, and then and then we'll have to wrap it up. I, I hate to say it, but the hour's uh, coming very quickly to close, and I'm going to have to, to close off the broadcast. But I want to first off thank uh, Russ uh, Gorman for coming on the show as well, 
And obviously, Alan, for you uh, for setting that up and for you coming on and sharing uh, your story with the audience. But any final thoughts or, or closing comments that you want to make? My closing comments really, Ted, are I thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk to your audience. Uh, I think I pretty much said everything that, uh, that I could say in a little bit of time. I don't want to overdo it. Please, if you're interested, contact me. Let's talk. And I want to wish everybody uh, just a happy holiday season. And let's get through the winter as quickly as we can, because we don't live in Florida. We don't all live in Florida, right, Ted? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I can't wait. Well, I can't to... wait to get the winter over with already, and it hasn't even started. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I hear you. Well, uh, guys, again, thank you very much for for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live, and 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 uh, Alan, uh, I want to wish you much continued uh, success. I have no doubt uh, you've you've. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a great book, and and I know you've got some great ideas, and, and I think it's just a matter of of time um, for you to connect with with the right individual that's going to help uh, push through, uh, you know, some of these great ideas and that. And uh, I want to wish you all the luck, and, and obviously I will continue to do whatever I can uh, on my end to help. And, and Russ, I would love to have you come back on as well, uh, maybe on a future show in the next season to talk a little bit more about Ontel and. And maybe we can uh, get some others that uh, may want to come on and have some questions for you directly um, that may sure. be interested in getting yep. involved. So I want to extend that to you okay. as well, and, and I'll, I'll arrange that through through Alan. But, guys, thank you very much for joining me tonight okay. on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure having you both here. And uh, Merry Christmas to both of you and your families, and all the best of the season. Same to you. And Same to you, uh, yep. let's, have a, let's have a great 2019. Yep, I thank, agree. Thanks again, right. Ted. Thank you, Russ. Thanks, yep, all right. all right, thanks. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Good night. All right. That was uh, Russ Gorman, the CEO of Ontel uh, Corporate uh, Golf Wellness. And, of course, um, my very special guest, uh, Alan Martin, the author of Thumbs Down, Golf Instruction Made Simple. Uh, he's also regional direc- uh, director excuse me, for Ontel uh, Corporate Golf Wellness and also creator of the uh, turn golf into business and uh, all of his information he gave out a little bit earlier so you can uh, certainly uh, reach out to him there and uh, if anybody has any uh, questions for either of tonight's guests or uh, maybe uh, didn't get the information by all means feel free to email me uh, my name uh, email excuse me is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com uh, I'll be more than happy to forward uh, that information to you uh, at your request on that note, I just want to take this opportunity. Uh, we ran a little bit over time, but I want to thank uh, again um, John Decker and Jamie Leno Zimmeron uh, earlier for on the Coach's Corner panel and tonight's special guests. Uh, but I want to particularly thank all of you, the listeners worldwide, for faithfully tuning in to Golf Talk Live each week. And I certainly enjoy and get a great amount of pleasure of having a number of highly t- talented uh, coaches, teach professionals, author, authors, excuse me, entrepreneurs stop by. And it's really through all of their participation and your listenership that helped to make Golf Talk Live a first-class show. Uh, I will see you next week uh, here on the program. God bless everybody, and uh, thank you for tuning in.